Well, hello, this is Gary, and you're listening to Thinking Out Loud. Today it's Tuesday, November 10th, very early in the morning. Heading off to work at 7 a.m. to get a little barge to a exclusive island to do landscaping for a obviously very extremely affluent person that has tons of money to throw around, pay a crew like 20 something people to do all kinds of work anyway job's a job I guess but watching a bit of the news over the last few days thankfully it's finally been announced that Joe Biden is the president-elect there's been a collective sigh of relief across the country exulting you know um finally start moving forward but um, that is the thing when you elect a fascist um, he appoints like-minded people and they sort of take up posts in various um, areas of the government and so it's not just Trump Uh, so Trump is not accepting the fact that he lost even even though he should be pretty accustomed by now to being a loser He's lost throughout his life. He is not a successful person. How that myth became reality for so many people is uh, something uh, historians are going to be probably studying for eons. You know, how did so many people fall for it? You know, how did so many people buy the bullshit? You know, he presented himself as a self made billionaire who borrowed a million from his father. The reality is he inherited the equivalent of over 400 million in today's dollars, was a millionaire by the time he was eight or nine years old for money that he was just given. Never had to work a regular job ever. And um, yeah, a series of failures, you know, six different bankruptcies, failed casinos, you know, Trump vodka, Trump steaks, all kinds, and then his Trump Foundation, which lost the right to call itself a philanthropic organization because it was using money from the foundation to buy, you know, paintings of himself and stuff. But people bought it. They, they, they genuinely thought he was successful. So, um, he was actually elected in 2016 and got to appoint a bunch of people. And one of the people he appointed was a real bastard of a man by the name of Bill Barr. Uh, attorney General was supposed to be the people's attorney. Bill Barr made it clear in his sort of um, uh, application letter to the president and a memo he wrote. Uh, he made it clear that if he was the attorney general, he would be Donald Trump's personal attorney but using all the power and privilege that comes with the Attorney General post to use all that power primarily to protect the interest of just one Donald John Trump. And so that is what he is currently doing. Um, so that, that's a thing with this era, this four years, and it's the, hopefully the thing we can learn from it. Um, Donald Trump is a, is a symptom of, of a kind of a of a confused, ignorant society making poor choices, and he's one of the symptoms. Uh, That symptom, and sort of allowing it to kind of fester 
and uh, to be given more power allowed that type of mindset to spread throughout the entirety of the government. Um, there's always been sort of people similar to him. You know, Mitch McConnell is another one that's kind of a not a good human being, you know, pretty pretty blatantly so. You know, it's, it's on full public display, you know, for decades now. Um, but, you know, they were put into positions of power, and with that power, uh, they use it to benefit themselves, unapologetically so. So Bill Barr, current Attorney General of the United States of America, has uh, said he's going to use, you know, taxpayer dollars uh, to pay for prosecutors to investigate suspected fraud in the election. There is no evidence of fraud, so there's not really any need for an investigation. There is no evidence. Um, the president losing and losing badly, a president who never had majority support losing an election, is not evidence of fraud. Uh, it, it's evidence of consequences of the least popular president in history running for re-election. You know, a president who was impeached but the controlling party that picked him, refusing to do anything about the fact that he abused his power. And in fact, their defense was, abuse of power isn't justification to fire him from his job. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Interesting, you know. He abused his power, but that's okay. Is was basically their thing. That was their kind of defense, and that's why they voted not to fire him from his job. And not only that, to pick him a second time and to allow him to run for re-election. He lost, and lost badly, by over 4 million votes. He did get a shit ton of votes, probably the second or third most in U.S. history. That's something to hang his hat on. Good for you, Donald. He got over 70 million votes. Good for you. Good job, bud. You get the silver medal. You won the silver medal. Think of it that way, okay? Yes, you, you did lose. But a, a way to think of it in a positive way is you won the silver medal. You probably got one of the you know, top five total votes in an election ever won, you know, all time. It's, it's, it's up there, you know, probably second or third most ever. No, it just, that's the way it goes, though, sometimes. Sometimes, like in sports, you know, you'll have... My Seattle Sonics, back in the mid-90s, made it to the NBA Finals. They were an awesome team. Really good. I think they won like 66 games that year. They were a dominant team, destined to win the championship. You know, they were just firing on all cylinders. And they probably would have gone down as one of the great teams in NBA history, that team that year. Sean Kemp, Gary Payton, Percy Hawkins, Sam Perkins, Detlef Shrimp. George Carl, the coach, Nate McMillan, man, awesome team. However, that year uh, when they went to the NBA Finals, uh, they faced a team in the NBA Finals from the Eastern Conference Finals called the Chicago Bulls. And that particular Bulls team was stupid good. The best NBA team ever. It was, it was, it was, it was ridiculous. Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and Dennis Rodman. 
coached by Phil Jackson and just a, a slew of, you know, steady role players, the, the, the full complete team. They won over 70 games that year. So as good as my Sonics were in the, you know, in the grand scheme of things, that one particular team, you know, would have gone down as one of the great teams in NBA history. But this wasn't meant to be that particular season, you know. The stars were not in their favor. They were going up against the best team ever that one particular season. So although they pushed it to six games, it wasn't enough to win the championship, although they were a great team. So that's Trump in 2020. Yes, he, he got a ton of votes. Good for you, Donald. You, you put in a solid effort, okay? Tons of people actually voted for Donald Trump on an official U.S. ballot. After four years of seeing him as president, more people voted for Donald Trump in 2020 than did in 2016. Wow, you know? Amazing. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, you know, for me, as a progressive, as a... Uh, so start being more public, I guess. As a Christian... Um, very pleased and relieved that Mr. Trump lost. Um, I'm also a knight in the Legion of Honor and a Christian. Why am I relieved that Donald Trump lost the election and is no longer the president? Well, I'm a Christian and I'm also a knight in the Legion of Honor, known as Sigma Nu. Yeah, that kind of answers the why. You know, Donald Trump is an antichrist. I don't know why there are so many people claiming to be Christian that are enthusiastically supporting an antichrist. What are you doing? What are you doing? You got, you got to stop doing that. You know, Mr. Trump is a dangerous person. He, he needs help. And... Um, well, yeah, and he needs to not be the president anymore. The 25th Amendment probably should have been invoked like a long time ago, you know. He's not well. Grandpa's not doing too good, you know, kind of thing. Uh, we should probably put Grandpa in a home, you know, because he's, you know, he's kind of saying some weird things. He's kind of causing harm to others and possibly even himself, you know. There, there was like a airborne illness going around recently, and he had like, tons of information about it and then he just kind of ignored it all and even caught the corona even though he has all kinds of access to pretty easy ways to avoid it and just kind of caught it anyway and then he kind of spread it to tons of other people in fact there was a study recently that found that about 700 people approximately died directly because of attending a Trump rally yeah uh-huh um yeah now did the trump folk at the MAGA rallies know that or understand that or are processing that in any way it's not like they're they all know each other in that way that you know they're all there at that time and place and people that they meet on the day they'll meet them that day or whatever and they'll go their separate ways go back to their various communities you know, maybe never expecting to see them again. But in some of them, yeah, they, they won't see them again. They're gone, some of them. You know, no longer with us. You know, they, they went to a Trump rally without a mask. 
a bunch of other people not wearing masks while on airborne illness that is lethal was still very much a risk still very much in the air um, God bless them you know I think their hearts were in the right place they just they, they were misled um, they, and ironically you know the the guy that had the most first-hand information about it was the one that was kind of telling him it was no big deal kind of unfortunate very unfortunate you know and that guy telling him it was no big deal also caught it and, and the treatment that he received to get rid of it uh, you know cost like a hundred thousand dollars it was pumped full of all kinds of steroids and stuff it was a very you know serious thing This is, but we are in a we're in a weird time these next few months are going to get weird oh boy because Trump I mean for Trump to show some humanity that's really the thing I don't think he understands that conceding the election is not showing weakness it would actually show some strength some humanity does he have it in him you know he lost he put up a good effort Somehow he convinced over 70 million people to vote for him for a second term after seeing him for four years. Mm. Wow. You know, there's some people that, you know, want, you know, I think there's people like me that have really sort of lost lofty aspirations of sort of like, you know, world peace and type thing, human beings getting along and no more wars and, but still freedom. You know, people treating each other with respect and dignity and a kind of a better understanding of each other. And a lot of those, I mean, the, the hippies were always like heroes of mine when I was a kid, even though they were preceded my time. Um, that kind of idea, it's like it, it can, it can be. Yes, there is a strong resistance to that. And Trump kind of personifies that resistance to peace and love. You know, he's the kind of exact opposite. Oppression, greed, you know, envy and all that kind of stuff. You know, he just kind of embodies it. Um, you know, and, and he's the promoter of it. You know, more money, more money, more money, more money. Even when you're, you have virtually infinite money already. What's infinity, infinity plus one? It's just infinity. You know, once you get to infinity, you're at infinity. You know, once you're at a level where you can set up an annuity that pays you $2 million a month forever, and that's not even all your money that you're investing in an annuity, I mean, you know, screw off, you know, chill out for a bit, find some other way to spend your time than just accruing money, do something productive with your money, reinvest it back into society, you know. I think the reality is is that not all wealthy people, but a good too many portion of wealthy people are unable to do this. Uh, they, they, they can't find it within them to redistribute their excess back into society, to invest in things directly, you know, build a school. LeBron James does this, for example. You know, he may never become a billionaire, although he certainly could be if he wants to be. He could just become a billionaire.
and he'll probably almost become one just just because even with all the money that he's spending on uh, philanthropic things it'll you know his value is just gonna grow exponentially anyway you know he's just a such a good positive person um, you know and uh, you know is uh, the elite at his craft as well as other things too you know so but that's something he did you know he built an actual school a real deal school and I think it's already been up for a few years so there's already been results you know there's already been children who have gotten educations there and doing well and you know going off to college and stuff and on a more upward trajectory it's a very real tangible benefit that was invested in by someone that became highly successful that's a good example um, you know now does he still live in a mansion well, of course, yes, he's LeBron James, you know, 16 years old or whatever, he's on the cover of Sports Illustrated, all the pressure in the world, and he delivered, you know, and then some, you know, it's amazing, you know, it's a, it's one of the, it's almost, just take it for granted, you know, people with, that are so much lofty expectations put on them, and then they deliver, you know, that's a lot of pressure and stress because there's been a lot of others that have not been able to it's intense you know media scrutiny and stuff and I can only imagine but anyway it's always reassuring to see people who become highly successful that really make a strong effort conscious effort to provide for their community to invest in you know their society that helped you know make them but also realizing that like they probably you know they had to probably struggle along the way and it's you know if you ease some of those smooth some of those struggles there's probably more people like them that uh, would have made it uh, that just some of the struggles were too too difficult and there was too much pressure and it was more difficult to make that upward, upward trajectory. You know, sometimes I like it when people who do make it don't take their making it for granted. You know, there is a little bit of luck involved. You know, Le LeBron James isn't the first person ever to be 6'8", highly athletic, cerebral basketball player. You know, there, there's been plenty, many, you know. He, you know... He is an elite athlete, but there's millions of elite athletes around the world. You know, he had a good deal of natural ability, but with him, it's it's work ethic and and environment and and being, you know, all the right things just happening, and then constant pursuance of that goal of making it and being the best ever. You know, and um, but then there's there is luck involved because there's other people that were. That have had that, where they kind of had those God-given gifts, you know, and the drive, maybe, but then just too many external pressures or external stresses that kind of suppress and make it so difficult at times that it kind of knocks you down. When you can alleviate those, then we can have more people like LeBron James and others, you know, others that are truly inspiring, truly the best, make it. 
you know, fewer things sort of restricting them from, you know, ascending up the ladder, which is good. I like a, you know, society that sort of allows people to be rewarded for working hard, for having above average abilities and things, and to ascend up, you know. Well, not, well, also maybe, you know, sort of having things in place to encourage people to uh, do the right thing once they do make it to a certain level. In other words, you're a multimillionaire and you invest 10 million of your millions into uh, various schools and libraries and such and sort of for the greater good type thing. Can you get a nice tax write-off for investing in very real, tangible things? That the federal government won't have to, sure, whatever, like raising some sort of tax deductible amount, positive reinforcement type thing, sure. And then, um, you know, combined with that, like if your taxable earnings, taxable income is 50 million or some or some crazy amount in a year, yeah, anything over a certain amount, you're going to get taxed a pretty high rate, and that money is going to be used to make sure that the hospitals are well staffed and well maintained, the schools that we send our children to are not falling apart, don't have ceiling tiles falling to the gym floor with trash cans sitting in the middle of the gym to catch the stray ceiling tile from the school that was built 50 years prior. Yes, that is a personal, specific reference, you know, anecdote there. Um, you know, we send our children to these places, they should be well maintained. Understanding that, yes, the, the super uber ridiculously wealthy like having you know various exclusive places to go to and they like having big several hundred foot yachts and stuff and you know 20 or 30 cars and all that all those sort of fun play things and that's real important to them I'm certainly not saying they're not allowed to have their toys but um, if them paying a slightly higher tax rate or you know a marginal tax rate on the earnings above some crazy amount in a year means that they have to scale back a smidge or whatever and then in return um, you know our hospitals will be well maintained and well staffed and the schools will be well maintained and well staffed and people will be kind of guaranteed at least a kind of a basic sustenance and then whatever they want beyond that they can work towards and whatever okay yeah that sounds good yeah, you know the wealthy are still wealthy they don't become poor if you know they get have to pay an extra tax on the amount above 20 million or whatever or 10 million in a year no that doesn't make them poor they're, they're still doing just fine you know um a lot of those people that make millions in a year if you're you make us you know if you're a regular person like me and i made five million in a year in like net earnings We'll just say tax planning. So it came out to whatever, three and a half million net earnings. Is that enough to retire on? Yeah. Yeah. Done. Yeah. Most money I've ever made in a year prior to this year. I think this year will probably be my best year ever, but net earnings is pretty low. But it's like 41,000. So could I guarantee, a, you know, whatever, 50 grand a year income indefinitely? With three and a half million in net earnings, yeah, yeah, pretty easy to secure that. So then, that gives us quite a bit of freedom, you know, fifty grand a year. I, I could certainly do it, live the lifestyle I want to live, you know, 
and especially if I'm not having to work, then I can just sort of, you know, do what I need to do or whatever. Um, yeah, you know, for, for, if you're the, a regular person and you just want to kind of maintain your lifestyle that you've become accustomed to in perpetuity, yeah, you know, a few million in a year, which is way up there in the income percentile, or whatever, but it's certainly not in the top tenth of a percent or anything it's more like the, it's in the top two percent but it's uh, you know there's still quite a few people that make massively more than that but that's enough to where you can make some pretty basic investments low risk investments conservative investments and secure a very comfortable lifestyle the lifestyle that you become accustomed in perpetuity and the, you don't have to work anymore and it doesn't really matter what age you're in you know how, however young you are and then retire in probably in a different sense. Like for me, retiring would mean not having to work a day job, but then just continuing to write stuff like this. Finally, get all my uh, uh, books of ebooks and stuff that I have on smashwords.com published in a printed form, and probably hire an illustrator as well to, uh, I don't know, jazz them up a bit. But yeah. You know, um, and then travel around and stuff, live simply. 50 grand a year for a person like me is just, just plenty. I mean, I could I could function just fine on, on that, especially in net earnings. So, kind of trailing around all over the place. But I think it's, because there's this, um, you know, news is Bill Barr, and the Republicans trying to not concede the election, even though it's over, it's done, you know, it, it's all over. So there's like that kind of stress, but then there's just the kind of wanting to move beyond it. I'm already just trying to skip ahead to where it's Inauguration Day, Joe Biden's in, Trump's out. He's just gonna be having temper tantrums for a couple months and getting rewarded for having a temper tantrum. And then there's gonna continue to be people that support the Republican Party which is the organization that protects people that have those kind of massive earnings. That's what they do. I don't know why working class people believe that the Republican Party represents them. I, I, I've never understood that. But there's a lot of people, Republican Party, and one of my fraternity brothers back in the day, we used to get in debates all the time because I've always identified more as on the left side of things. Uh, and he was a conservative Republican. He was like, Republicans see the big picture. It's like, yeah, I don't know. I just don't know about that. Um, they they see the overvaluing of wealthy people, like the overimportance of benefiting the wealthy. They spend their time in a public office to focus on laws that benefit two percent of the population. You know, a, a tax cut for wealthy people. It is a tax cut for wealthy. That's time and effort put into how do we save wealthy people money? They're already wealthy. They're, they are wealthy. They're, the tax rate that they were at before wasn't causing them a hardship. They, no. I don't know why people would think that. No, they were wealthy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you can't... Well, yeah, and that's the thing. You're only going to be paying a higher tax rate or whatever if you're wealthy. So... If you're not managing your assets correctly, 
as a wealthy person. Well, that's your problem, you know. Yeah. In other words, if you're making money in a certain way and you're, like, not paying, just paying taxes as your income comes, like a normal person, like my taxes are just taken out of my check, each paycheck, a lot of wealthy people earn money in a, in a different way, so they'll just settle their tax bill at the end of the year when they actually file their taxes. They're not just paying kind of as they go along. And then, you know, for most working class people, you kind of pay your tax bill as you go along throughout the year. And then at the end of the year, April, by April 15th, and for, for many people, it's like as, as soon as they can, early January, they'll file their taxes because most likely the amount they paid throughout the year in aggregate, the total amount, will be actually more than what they were supposed to pay. And so they'll get a tax refund. Republicans like to do things where they'll kind of jimmy-rig things a little bit so that, um, you know, people who kind of like that refund, they kind of count on it. It's almost like giving the government a loan, a 0% loan in a way or whatever, that you're going to get a portion back, you know. I like a certain amount taken out in taxes that's plenty to cover my tax bill. Then at the end of the year, my tax amount I was supposed to pay was a little less than the total amount I actually already paid. I get that refund. That's nice. I like that. I prefer that. Yes. You know, I don't, I mean, but Republicans have done things where they'll make it, try to make it more exact so that the amount, it'll, it'll help you if you're, you know, someone like me, it might make like $2, $4 per paycheck or something. Barely anything. That'll save quote unquote but that does mean that at the end of the year there will be no refund it'll you know and there might even be a slight amount to still pay to still owe so that that doesn't really benefit working class people so that's that's the one thing that tax bill they approved in 2017 it, it made real slight changes to working class people where some people might see like literally two or three dollars per paycheck up you know increase but maybe not understanding as they're getting that $4 raise for 80 hours of work, you know, the refund won't be as much. So it's, it, it's kind of negated. You're, you're not, it's really, you're almost basically just paying the same amount, really. It's just kind of fine-tuning how it's taken out of your check, what amount is taken out of your check. The total amount you have to pay is really the same. It's just how it looks is different. What would you rather have? Get paid, you know, like, I don't know, you know, uh, have an increase of $5 a paycheck or, uh, you know, or a $350 refund at the end of the year. So your paychecks stay the same. You get, just pay, get paid the same amount you do this that you got paid, been getting paid, been getting paid with a, you know, a pretty good refund at the end of the year, or a $5 increase in your paycheck and zero refund at the end of the year. See, what do you want? Yeah. So that, that's kind of, that's what the Republicans did for working class people as far as tax policy. That, that was their helping the working class person. We're going to give you an extra five bucks in your paycheck, but then zero out your refund. Ooh. 
you know. Wealthy people, though, got tens of thousands of dollars, if not more, in average savings. That's something to, to think about. You know, whatever your view is of wealthy people, people in federal government are spending time and energy worrying about this small group of people saving money. They're focusing their time in government on how do we save wealthy people money. They're wealthy. So they're good. They're wealthy. They're the affluent class. They don't need to save money. They know what they can do to save money. Yeah. But they've figured out a loophole, some of them. They can bribe a politician to create a tax law that just lowers their tax bill. And that's one way they can save money. Instead of just making modifications to their investments or whatever, or, um, you know, just changing their spending habits a little bit or something. No, they don't want to do that. Or or if they feel like they don't have enough money, just going out and earning more money. They, they don't want to do that. They find the best investment they can do is they can bribe a politician, we call it lobbying, and say, hey, I want you to create you know, change the tax law a little bit so that I don't have to pay as much in taxes. And, you know, these senators, members of the House of Representatives, with R's next to the name, they spend time and energy, lots and lots of time. I mean, these tax bills are big, extensive things, big, huge laws, you know, big book of legal mumbo-jumbo. Lots of time and energy in a public office to cater to the interests of that tiny, tiny group. And that's who benefits, you know. Wealthy people getting a tax cut means wealthy people get a tax cut. It means those people have more money. That, that is what it means. Now, what the wealthy people do with the money and how it may or may not affect people who are not as wealthy as them, that's more theory. Uh, in, you know, and there's a varying levels of outcomes. Some wealthy people, if they get more money, that means they have more money. And so they just have more money. They don't really spend more or anything necessarily than where they're already at. So they just, now their net worth is more. Neat. What's the benefit to you, regular person making 40, 50 grand a year? Nothing. Why would you benefit? That doesn't make any sense. But, yeah. The guy that owns the company that owns the company that owns the company that you work for has more money now. Cool. Yeah, none, none of it's coming to you, though. Not None of that person's not really doing anything with it if they're just leaving it in their bank account. Yeah, you're, it doesn't really have any effect on you. So that's the thing. It's a thing to... Keep in mind, people with R's next to the name, they're in a public office. So they, it, it would seem that their main focus should be creating laws and writing laws that benefit the public. But that's just not what they're doing, you know. I'm not sure what it is with working class people's belief in the Republican Party and tax policy specifically. Republican Party is the organization that protects the interests of the wealthy. That is what they are. So what is it? Are you a person that believes that that is the best way to benefit a society? Cater to the wealthy because they are the all-knowing, all-omnipotent, fuck, how do you say that? Never mind. 
I'm going to skip that word because I forget how to say it. It's not really in my natural vocabulary. So moving on. But they are the all... They know what's best for our society. Um, but they're not, you know. They're, they're just people who have a lot of money. Some of them have a lot of money because they've always had money. They just were born with money. That That's kind of like their cultural identity. They don't know anything else, many of them. The Trump kids, all they know is affluence. That's all they know how to be. Not necessarily successful, just affluent. You know, they were born with lots and lots of money. They have very expensive things. Everything they have is expensive. And they, and you know, they just always have expensive things and they do expensive things and that's just all they know. And they think that if you want more money, you just take money out of this thing. Like literally, they, they, they don't understand that, like the idea of having to work in order to have money so that you can eat. They don't, that, that, that concept is completely foreign to them. If you want to eat, you, the chef that's in the kitchen, you go, hey, chef, can you make me an omelet? I want an omelet. And they just, and then an omelet appears, you know. Yeah, if your lawn needs to be mowed, there, there's a team that kind of takes care of that and stuff, or whatever, you know, house maintenance project or something. You don't have to do anything. Everyone always, they take care of that for you. They just sort of think that that's what it's like for everyone or something. I, I, I don't know. Or they think that they're able to live that way because they're better. N no. N no. Um, you know, the wealth went to their heads. You know, pretty obviously, and it became all they seemed to under to know and understand. Uh, but you know, people get uh, blinded by gold. You know, they see all the fancy toys and things, and they go, "Oh, yeah, this, this person's successful. I want to be like them." Look at all the toys they have. And unfortunately, it has had that effect on a lot of people because you know you can go out and get lots of money there's different a lot of different ways to do it if that's what your goal in life is is to have lots of money to buy lots of toys what are the effects of you, all your toy buying and stuff well, we're still kind of sorting that out as a species what is the effects of overindulgence on a mass scale um, overdevelopment you know, what is the breaking point? You know, what is the point at which, you know, we're clear-cutting too many forests, killing off too many species, polluting too many waterways and ground and soils, and sending too many pollutants into the air? What, what is the breaking point? And what happens at that point? Yeah. yeah, I mean, we don't know it emphatically, but that's more the question, though. What is the breaking point? When is it? It's not... It's not if... Or is there a breaking point? No, no. It's it's. What is it, and when is it? And you know. Like the the planet itself is kind of alive and kind of breathes almost. You know, when we are very much on this planet, but you know, we we continue to just allow like small groups to just sort of hoard resources, overdevelop, and sort of do it in the name of. Sometimes in progress or something, but 
we have to kind of find a way to moderate ourselves somehow. Because um, the fulfilling the uh, the breaking point make will will come swift. I mean, it will be a breaking point where you know I think the idea of a superstorm will almost become of, of the type of superstorms that we call superstorms today. I think will almost become passe uh, at some point. You know, where like it just how we define life at all on this planet will completely change at some point if we cannot stop overdeveloping and over polluting and you know just refusing to accept the realities of climate change i mean the, the earth doesn't care what we think about climate change or whether we believe it's real or not you know that that's not how cause and effect works you know like it is you know it's that the term climate change is just human scientists you know term to describe what is happening you know and trying to phrase it in a way to make human beings who have the ability to reason to try and make them understand it uh, but you, you know many humans have been reluctant to because it's an inconvenient truth and, you know just like the title of Al Gore's documentary all those years it is inconvenient changing you know what the way many of us have become accustomed to being is difficult you know envisioning a better way um, is can be difficult too for many you know imagining anything being better than what it is now for many people is just impossible you know they many people are like no it's perfect just right here just keep it right here at this exact level and don't let it get any different than this well, you know, it just doesn't really work that way. So there's a lot of pushes and pulls collectively as a society. And um, we're just at a weird state as a, as a society, as a country, because, it, you know, there's this, this the non-reality party is, is kind of still trying to cling to power. You know, uh, they nominated this famous kind of con man, antichrist guy, who got support of evangelical Christians. They, you know, they they allowed him to do all kinds of horrible things, and then they're the organization that kind of denies climate change, because it's denying the climate change thing. One of the groups it's most inconvenient to, as far as changing way of life is the affluent class. They own lots of things that are some of the main contributors to global warming and climate change. For regular people, you know, true day-to-day way of life stuff, what adjustments would you have to make? Why would you have to make that much of an adjustment, truly? It, but think more broadly. Okay, you, you, go, you have a job, you, you work a job, you have a place to live, you, you, some way to get to on your own meat by your own means that, that that's fast and efficient and all that from your work to home and to do other fun things. You travel around, you like to go out to eat, you like to do fun things. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. 
making some adjustments to climate change, um, you, the working class people will still have, you know, cars to drive, a house to live in that's a good house or whatever, a good median house, you know, a couple bedrooms, whatever. The, the average person, their, their way of life in a sort of more broader sense is still the same. What the car looks like or something might be a little different, but cars in the 1950s looked a little different than they do today. You know, the, um, what the house looks like over time is going to change a little bit. There's, there'll be improvements in technology and stuff. One of them is like solar panels and stuff. They'll, those will become more standard. So your roof might look a little different in the future than it does now in, the, you know, 2020. But it, it'll still clearly and obviously be a house, you know. And the, that thing on top of the house will still clearly be the roof. It'll just be things that absorb energy in a way that will fund all the power you need in your house and far less waste and stuff and yeah every like 10 or 20 years or whatever it is there'll be some person that'll come and kind of check on it just like now you, you know um yeah um roofs don't last forever they do need to be replaced every once in a while usually it's about 30 years but some don't last even that long so it's kind of a similar thing and um when the person comes to check it, it's more just to kind of come check them and some, you know, if repairs needed or whatever. But yeah, the, the technology where those will be able to last longer and absorb plenty of energy to fund all the power you need in your house and then some, uh, it, it's not that far away. We all know that, you know. Um, the, the messaging saying that it's never going to happen or that it's a horrible technology. That's coming from the people that own the rights to oil and coal. Yeah, so that's why they're saying that, you know. Um, mining for coal and oil will, in the near future, win specifically. I don't know, but I think in my lifetime, I mean, hopefully in my lifetime, good, goodness gracious. But those technologies will become archaic and, and kind of passe pretty quickly. Why? Well... For a very small investment, you put these panels uh, on the roof of your house. They look just like a normal roof. It's you know, and they absorb energy. The energy absorbed more than powers all the things you need in your house and your vehicle. You just plug it into your house. Your electric bill is zero. The car that you bought is less than the car that you bought now. Your fuel costs are zero. Why would you continue to pay $4 a gallon for gas? For the motorheads, it would be because the car you drive is not as powerful as a gas pedal. Well, skip all that. Yeah. That's all the same now, too. So, yeah. So all the sort of um, performance concerns. Yeah. But, of course, most people who drive a car, a regular car driver people, they ain't really that worried about the performance that to that level. You know, obviously, you know, if you put your foot and foot on the gas and it goes and it goes to the speed that you want it to go and you put your foot on the brake and it stops and it's got air conditioning and the shit you need and it's comfortable and it looks cool, then you're good to go. What the fuck difference is it? What type of thing you're putting in the car to make it go? The thing you're putting into your car is just you're just plugging it in to your house from energy that you received from the sun. Okay, you know. That big star in the middle of our universe. Yeah, cool. And your utility bill, your total cost for fueling is zero. Yeah, plenty of people will make that switch, obviously. 
is there a need to ban gas? Well, no. But ideally, what you have is a situation where the, the only cause that modern cars that are like on the road are just the cool ones. You know, the only ones that are still gas powered cars that are just zipping around are the good ones. And that's kind of what would probably eventually happen is these sort of, um, you know, sort of running or moving uh, artifacts almost, you know, that will be driving artifacts will be zipping around. They'll stand out a little bit more. And hopefully there won't be an issue with uh, auto theft and shit like that, but you know, yeah. But anyway, I think that would be, I mean, that's, that's relatively around the corner. We all know that, you know, but uh, Republican Party is really trying to fight to try to stop what is going to happen from happening. Uh, they'll be successful in delaying it for a while, but they're, you know, just, it, we're a capitalist society. We are a capitalist society, even if we have the right to health care and education and a basic income, we're still a capitalist society. So where we spend our money is still our choice. And, you know, so if you want to keep buying a, you know, a $50,000 gas hog or the exact same type of vehicle for $35,000 that has zero in fuel costs, that's your choice. Yeah. Spend your money how you want. We're a capitalist society. Even if we have guaranteed health care, guaranteed education, and guaranteed basic income, we're still a capitalist society. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're not socialist. <laughs> not everyone makes the same. If you want to make more, you got to go out and get it. you got to work for it. Yeah. Getting a basic income don't mean that. I mean, if that's all you want, that's all you want. But if you want more, you got to go out and get it. you got to work for it. We're a capitalist society, even if we're guaranteed health care and education and a basic income. So, yeah, I'm optimistic. The, I think these next few months are going to get weird, but the uh, Republican Party, their position, the, the sort of crone, Trump cronies and enablers that have filtered, they, they just seem even more absurd and ridiculous now. It's like, it's over, you guys. It's over. Move on. You, they just look pathetic. It's so, you know, it's so clear that Trump is just having a temper tantrum because he lost... And then these enablers are like rewarding him for having a temper tantrum. It's like, no, man, you just, you lost. You did good. You did good, Donnie. You probably got the second or third most votes in U.S. history. Okay? Good job. But it just wasn't quite enough, okay? You lost by about four million in the popular vote. And we know that doesn't matter. But in the Electoral College, Joe Biden won that too. He, so he won, he got the double whammy. Sorry, bud, you know. You're going to have to face the music at some time, Donnie. You know? Yes, you. We kind of, many of us understand that you've probably committed insurance fraud and tax fraud and campaign finance violations, which are serious crimes. You could face a couple of years in prison for each count. And you know that's probably weighing on you pretty heavy. Um, you cannot be charged with those crimes while you are the president. My theory is, though, that um, to avoid a full on shitstorm happening of you being charged with very serious crimes and even possibly going to jail is I think Joe Biden to sort of you know extend the olive branch to the MAGA folk and all that is after you get charged with those crimes and after the evidence is presented and such he'll pardon you uh, now the one thing to keep in mind is that if you accept a pardon you are admitting guilt 
So you would be admitting that you've been engaging in insurance fraud and tax fraud for several decades as both an individual and as a business. And I think it would be it would behoove U.S. banks to, or whatever various financial institutions to make a sort of more official declarative statement stating that Donald Trump is not too, you know, or, or should not be lent money or something, or, or like he should be with extreme caution or something. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's going to be good for Donald Trump to have to go to jail. I do think it would be, it's very good if it moves forward at least a ways. You know, the evidence needs to be presented. And if he accepts, accepts a pardon, he is admitting guilt. So, yeah, um, but he's, he's pretty worried, I think, about possibly going to jail. I, I, I just don't think our country has the stomach for it. And uh, I think it might just be in the best interest to just pardon him um, after evidence is presented. Because, um, you know, the, the, the MAGA folk that really love Trump, they, the ones that really love him, they really love him. Everything that he stands for. They, they take him literally. And uh, they very much, you know, who knows how they're going to react if their dear leader gets thrown in prison for insurance fraud and tax fraud. I, you know, um, I, yeah, so, no, that's not a good way to run a society necessarily, obviously, but it's just because there's so many of them. You know, they are the, the vocal minority. So, um, you know, we, we're kind of a, we're a divided society right now. So we have to kind of do what we can to kind of bridge bridge the gap as best we can, understanding that, yeah, you know, certain you know, people supporting Trump believe in certain things that I just cannot believe in. You know, I can't I can't accept. You know, again, why why do I not support Trump? Well, I am a Christian. I was confirmed in the church as a young lad, about twelve, thirteen years old, and I'm also a knight in the Legion of Honor. Sigma Nu. Why do I not support Trump? Well, I, I just told you. So, um, and again, I the, the mental gymnastics going on with folks that are reading the Bible a whole bunch and, um, you know, re re reciting certain lines specifically over and over and over again, like forgive our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, and then supporting a guy who... Um, it, you know, approved a policy of putting children in a cage um, because they and their parents were trespassing. Yeah, no, I, I don't know how to get into the mental gymnastics going on there. I don't, I mean, it, the message is pretty simple. Yeah, forgive our trespasses as we forgive those who trespassed against us. It's, it's, it's cut and dry for a reason. Does that line say... But if they're trespassing, but without paperwork, um, you're allowed to lock them in jail. No, nope, sorry, no, not, not even kinda, nope, sorry. So I don't, I think some people just say that, and it's just something to say or something, you know? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Hmm. So, you know, you're... I don't know, hike, hiking through the wilderness or something, and uh, you kind of inadvertently kind of go 
across the section that's actually private property, but it wasn't like fenced properly or anything. Um, and then so all of a sudden some you get ambushed and handcuffed and then thrown in a jail. That that's what you would want. N no, you know, <laughs> yeah. You accidentally cross, or inadvertently, or even if you did it intentionally, but you're just sort of cutting across to get from point A to point B. You know, so what? You're trespassing. Oh yeah. Anyway, you know, so it's an, an egregious offense apparently. But just for more of my Christian friends, there's there's now a second mark of the beast, if you will, that has appeared in the news. Donald Trump's son-in-law owns 666 Park Avenue. That's not a joke. That's been known for several years. It, it's so... But whatever, you know, Donald Trump is an antichrist and all that, and he is a person that sort of embodies the seven deadly sins and all that. And, but then there's also these sort of weird, like, wait, is that, that is so surreal and weird that it's like, what, what, okay, you're really like, what's going on here, you know? This morning in the news, the number of children who have not been uh, reconnected with their parents, who, these children who have been locked in Cajun cages for months now, they were imprisoned by the Trump administration for the crime of trespassing. The number of children who have not been reconnected with their parents is 666. Yep. There it is again, that, that number again. Trump's an antichrist, promotes violence towards others, promotes a policy of kidnapping children and locking them in a cage. You know, is all about himself kind of embodies the seven deadly sins he needs help you know he needs to ask for forgiveness for all the things a life of just wretchedness you know I'm no angel I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination that's why I have to you know sort of acknowledge my imperfections a lot because it's like you know so you know like the glass whatever the phrase is stone glass I'm not good with that kind of shit. Anyway, um, so I'm not saying I'm perfect, but Trump, he needs help. He needs help. He was taught the wrong way to be, and he never learned the right way, ever. Amazingly, 70-something years, the things we take for granted when you go to church, you know, as a kid, and kind of accept it early, confirming, and then kind of continue living. Some people just don't do that or their relationship with the church is different. It's just a thing to go to, and you're not really listening to the words or something. I, I don't know. He went a very different path, very different. And, um, you know, I, I don't, I just hope, I, I just hope and pray he doesn't do anything too stupid over these last couple months. I hope he can do the human thing and accept that he did lose the human thing. It doesn't mean he's a loser. Uh, you know, he's not admitting weakness by admitting that he lost. He did lose. So accept it and move on. Create your Trump network, Trump. You know, go for it, Donnie. You and your three kids probably highlight your favorite one, Ivana. 
you bunker. But anyway, stay safe out there, everybody. God bless. This is Gary, thinking out loud.